0: At some point in my life, after much experience and unforgettable decisions, I decided that I was going to live my life on purpose. I told God that I was ready to pursue the things He had planned for me, whatever they may be. So this is an audible journey of what it means to become a powerhouse and how to do it on purpose. I'll be discussing the process with others who are becoming their best selves. Hopefully you're intrigued. And even if you're not, take a listen. And see how God created me to be of our house. The same as he created you. Yo, thank you guys so much for popping into the Pop Pod. I am so elated to have each and every one of you. I am here to introduce myself and tell who I am and how I've come to do this. And God's intentions and purpose for it. I intend to help others gather information and have reference by hearing transparent experiences and perspectives. We often go through things and never tell anyone, never mention what we've experienced. But we create a life where we suffer with it alone. So when God gave me this idea, I thought I'd be having people on and letting them tell their stories and encourage others. And that will happen but he told me that I couldn't pursue this purpose without leading by example. I couldn't ask of you something I had yet to do. The beginning of my path to purpose began in a small town in Alabama. I was born and raised there. I grew up in poverty, but I didn't know it at the time. I didn't feel that I lacked anything. I knew I was loved. One of the most pivotal influences in my life was my grandmother, Carolyn. She had a larger-than-life smile and a big heart to match. When I was 12 years old, she passed away. It was my first time experiencing the pain of loss and suffering. I remember being at my paternal grandmother's house that day, and the phone rang. As I walked down the hall to see what was wrong, I could feel a shift of energy in the room. I could hear the shock in her voice. As I got closer to the door, I heard her tell my aunt something has happened to Carolyn. I fell to my knees in the hallway and sobbed uncontrollably. I remember her trying to console me, but I couldn't stop. My father picked me up and we rushed to the local hospital. When we arrived, she had already passed. My dad and I walked into the room where her body laid on a cold silver slab. A white sheet covered her from her feet to just above her chest. Her eyes were closed and her body was cold to the touch. My father leaned down and kissed her forehead. And I just stared at her. Her hair. She had such beautiful hair. I recalled many times hearing her say, I just want to see 50. If I could just see 50. As she lay there, 20 days after her 50th birthday, I believe she knew she'd be here. She was such a vibrant woman. She was, and still is, a beautiful soul. From that moment, over the next few years, I battled with longing for her. Her love, her care, her concern, her hugs. I missed her. I would pray and ask God to come back for me. I would ask him why she wouldn't take me with her. I just wanted to be with her again. As I got older and grew into adulthood, I would miss that love. I would give it in hopes of reciprocation, but it never felt quite the same. I'd look for it in many places. The first guy I gave my heart to did something that no one had ever done he introduced me to his grandmother. I saw that as a sign of his love for me. When that ended in heartbreak, I turned cold. If I couldn't find that love, I wasn't going to give it. I'd continue on to college and pursue what I thought I wanted out of life, only to end up flunking out, stressed out, hair falling out, and fired from my job. At that time, Someone I'd known since I was seven years old came back into my life. He gave me the opportunity and space I needed to get back on my feet. I moved back home with him and began to regain control of my life. I started working and began to ask myself what I wanted to do. We began to pursue a relationship together. And one day, we simply had a conversation about marriage. We talked about whether we wanted to do it, how we'd do it, and when we'd do it. We agreed to get married in a year and a half, when my grandma Carolyn's birthday would fall on a Saturday. I felt that I could replace a bad feeling by celebrating something good. There was no tradition to this, no lavish proposal, and no big event. We just had a conversation. Before we could hear wedding bells, I got pregnant. It was much of a surprise. I was 19 weeks pregnant at my first doctor's visit. I thought to myself, even if I didn't want a baby, there was no going back now. After he was born, we went ahead and got married on the day that we had set. But because my grandmother couldn't be there, it was not a big deal for me. I was actually going to get married in my living room with a pastor and a witness. But my mom convinced me to have it outside at a local park so that my family could attend that even in marriage, I didn't feel that feeling that I so longed for and desired. After three years of marriage, him joining the military, and a move to North Carolina, much like we had a conversation to get married, we had the same type of conversation to get divorced. We sat down and gave each other our thoughts and opinions. We came to the conclusion that we're better not together. Within weeks of that conversation, I met someone. He was sweet, and he seemed quiet, but I knew there was more to him. Over the next six months, I would get to know him better, and we became good friends. I was still married, but separated, and I later found out so was he. We felt we have something in common. We both have small children, both feeling neglected in our marriages, both feeling that we deserve more, and I believe we both saw that we could have more in each other. At some point, he came to me and said, we've been friends for months now. You've met my kids and I've met yours. But are we going to be together or not? It was definitely an ultimatum. And I knew what I lacked in my first marriage and this man, to me, could fill those voids. I didn't allow myself time to heal and make decisions in my brokenness. So I said yes. All those unhealed places remained. I was no stranger to who God was or his voice. I knew I didn't want to go through another heartache like I was trying to recover from currently. So I remember asking God, is this someone you have for me? Should I go through with this? Each time I asked God about him, he would have what I like to call an episode. I'd make a statement or do something that would make him angry and he'd walk away hang up the phone, leave, or just not speak to me at all. I didn't know what I was dealing with, but I knew it wasn't good. Shortly after I said yes to a relationship, um, I'm post-divorce and attempting a healing process, he asked me to marry him. I can't remember if I said no or didn't answer right away, but he began to cry and said that it hurt that I didn't want to marry him. Once again, against my better judgment, I gave in and said yes. I planned the wedding and we were married. That marriage lasted a little over a year. Those 16 months felt like an eternity. In that marriage, I experienced such mental and emotional abuse. It was one of the worst times in my life. Now, let me take you back briefly to the moment where I asked God, is this what you have for me? I asked him three times, and the reason I kept asking is because after each time, this man's behavior was telling of his character, but I refused to accept it. Each time I asked, God responded by showing me what I was saying yes to. I ignored it because he was a good father and because I felt he was capable of giving me the love that I knew I missed in my first marriage. I couldn't see beyond it and it was the worst decision I could have made. It wasn't long before I was at my wit's end. Our interactions had become so volatile. He'd attempted physical abuse, but I was ready to stand toe-to-toe. So the women of my church could see my pain, and they surrounded me. One evening, after a vacation Bible school class, they followed me home. I packed a bag, and one of them took me in. When I went to work the next day, I had over 100 missed calls and even more texts. Now, where I was staying, obviously, I didn't get service. And so I had one of my most peaceful nights of sleep that I had had in a long time. But once I did hit service area, my phone went off constantly and consistently. He was upset and clearly thought I was with another man. So after work, I went back home. He managed to make me feel bad enough to come back. He cried again. The tears, they always got me to say yes. There was no change in my household. I experienced the same mental and emotional abuse I had before I had left. I looked in the mirror and I no longer recognized myself. I was different. I was. Easily upset, full of rage, and secretly in despair. This is where I learned that just because he's not hitting you, it doesn't mean it's not affecting you. I realized he'd found a way to hit me without touching me. The verbal and emotional mind games had taken an immense toll, and I was in a fight for my life ended up packing all of my belongings that were in our bedroom and I moved into my son's room who was away for the summer. I stuffed everything I could into that room. On my knees in tears I cried out to God and said if you get me out of this I will never get married again without consulting you. I will never do this again. When you tell me no I'm going to listen. I called my dad and I told him that I was leaving and I asked if he'd help me by moving my things. When I went to work that Monday morning, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. One of my co-workers happened to mention that her daughter had left for the summer. Although no one knew what I was experiencing at home, she looked at me and offered me that room while her daughter was away. I knew that God had touched her and this was his answer to my prayer. Now that I was willing to listen, God could help me. I never slept another day in the house that we shared. I would only go there to pack more of my belongings. My dad drove a U-Haul from Alabama to North Carolina. He packed up the U-Haul and drove it back home. I stayed in North Carolina for two months, saving as much money as I could. It was the summertime, and I knew I had to get down to Alabama by the time school starts so that my son could have some sense of normalcy. My coworker wouldn't allow me to pay her, and I grew to understand that she, too, was a victim of spousal abuse. She recognized it in me. The two women that took me in at high crisis level moments in my life were my guardian angels. I arrived home in August of 2015. I had now added another layer of brokenness to the unhealed wounds of my first marriage. I was depressed and I only got up to put my son on the bus and to get him off again. He was the only highlight of my day. I struggled to be proud of myself for leaving because I also left a salaried job position with good insurance. I left friends and a church home that was family. I left a photography company and I left two special little girls that I loved like my own. (laughs) I just slept most of the day. I would attend family functions and smile, but no one knew I was lost. I was now unemployed with no direction and a third-time college dropout. I was in a very low place, and all that I housed was anger and regret. It took a lot to pull myself up from the bottom, but slowly I began to take small steps. I got a job and began rebuilding my life. I found an apartment and arranged to move. But I woke up one day and I couldn't stand up straight. My back was in so much pain. I went to the doctor and they deemed it symptoms of a UTI, although the basic symptoms I didn't have. But what I didn't tell them is that my husband had contacted me asking me to send him divorce papers. So yet again, here I am, knocking on the door of divorce. Except this time, it if it wasn't a conversation. This time, it wouldn't be easy. He had begun his silent assault of making me feel that this was all my fault. My health was declining. They prescribed me muscle relaxers and rest. I didn't know if I would overcome this, but I also refused to back down. I agreed to send them, but when he received them, he called me crying again, saying that he couldn't believe I did it. After that phone conversation, I prayed and asked God to let him have one good day where he would sign the paper so that I could move on with my life. My back got better. I moved into my apartment. And a few weeks later, the papers arrived in the mail. The divorce was finalized. I was free. So. It's over, right? (laughs) Not at all. Although I had gone through a period of rebirth and awakening, the next three years would be a time of promise, growth, recovery, and discovery. I struggled to make decisions because I didn't believe I was capable of making the best one. I questioned every thought, movement, and decision. When I decided to live an intentional purpose-filled life, The old me had to die. She was the woman who made those decisions, those bad decisions, those decisions that you knew were bad, but you did them anyway. But I was made new. Being born again, I had to accept this new being I had become. I was not the same carefree, loving, optimistic, I can do anything woman I was before. I was cautious and constantly questioning and second guessing myself. Any time that anything that I chose to do didn't turn out well, I'd beat myself up about it. I thought being free meant I'd be my best self, but freedom was just the beginning of a journey of healing and getting to know my new self. I didn't want to waste this opportunity to be made new by trying to gain back all that I felt I'd lost. I decided that I'd do this life on purpose. I'd be intentional and particular about all that I'd say and do. I only wanted my best self to show up. Who knows better than God? I began to pray and ask him to show me who I was and who I should become. The beauty in God is that he doesn't force you to do anything. He allows you time and space to make your own decisions. But eventually, if you search carefully, you find that all the best things lie in him, in his word and in his way. I accepted the renewing, but I also knew that I am still a woman, flesh of earth. I still feel and react as humans do. I knew that the gift of empathy I carry made me vulnerable to spirits of narcissism and harm. I prayed for God to hide me. God, hide me from men so that they may not see me. God, I give you my heart. I hide it in you. If you have someone who I can live a purposeful life with, then give my heart to him. I will know that he's the one because he will only find me in you. I no longer want to make this decision. I just want you. I was ready to be single for the rest of my life. I began to live for God and I was doing it on purpose. It was not a mistake and I hadn't been forced to believe it. It was my choice. I chose God and all that he has for me. I worked diligently in my career, in my life as a mother, as a sister, as a daughter, even within my church. I made sure to intentionally live my life. Every decision was a thought process. How does this glorify God? How does this help someone? What purpose is behind it? That's an intentional purpose-filled life. In February, 2018, a member of our church began offering a class to young adults. A safe space to talk to one another about our lives and help each other grow to the next level. It was there at a table with strangers and a few friends that I proclaimed, my name is Elisa and I'm a powerhouse. I had never used that word before. I even went to research it after that. The more I looked at it, the more God would tell me that's who I created you to be. You are becoming everything that I always knew you were. A powerhouse is someone of great energy, strength, or power. I thought, this is who I am? But what I came to know is that this is who we all are. Beings of great energy, strength, and power. That brings me to this moment here with you. Have you tapped into the source? Is your light on? Are you exerting your power? How do you use it? how does it help others our gifts are not to be shelved but to be shared in the bible in philippians 4 paul appeals for unity in verse 6 through 7 he says do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ Jesus, I have two questions for you. How is your mind and how is your heart? I am here to share my source of power and appeal for unity. God intends for me to be a help to those who are ready to position themselves for purpose. I hope you've enjoyed learning about me and I look forward to getting to know you. At that table where I first proclaimed my purpose sat some very significant people and you'll meet some of them along this journey. So thank you for coming to the table. And next time, bring a friend. Until we speak again, self, love, and purpose. Well, my loves, that's a wrap for this episode. If you haven't, like, follow, and share us on social media at Powerhouse On Purpose Pod and tune in to our YouTube channel. And don't forget, continue to pursue your purpose.